0: Freeze Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. 865-540-8300. Remember that number. If you find yourself needing legal representation this football season, you can also get in touch with someone 24-7, 365, both on that phone number and at GarzaLaw.com. Take advantage of their chat function. Before you say guilty, say Garza. Marcos Garza and his team are East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyer. They can also handle your criminal defense and personal injury collection. They're going to go to work for you, like big Sed Tillman goes to work for Hendon Hooker. Before you say guilty, say Garza. Marcos and his team have your six. Give him six. They got your back. On today's episode, we celebrate the Pittsburgh win. We look ahead to Florida. Let's go. I mean, this is the last stand. (laughs) The controversial. He's the dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his haircut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11
1: in a row. Enough. <laughs>
2: 38 in a row. i 38 on Ezra Point when we were whipping that
0: ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes.
1: Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all.
0: Another edition of Reed's Ranch, a victory edition of Reed's Ranch. It is Wednesday, September 14th. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. You back in Alabama? Yep, I am. How was your trip? It was great. Balls won. They took care of business for you.
1: Tennessee's still undefeated. I mean, what else? I mean, Tennessee is undefeated. There's lots of teams that aren't. I can't really relate to those teams because we are undefeated. So, you know, I would, I mean, I would, I just can't relate to them because Tennessee is undefeated and ranked in the top 15.
0: There are only 14 other teams that knows what that feels like. That's
1: it already? Wow. Okay.
0: Well, no, no, I just said if we're top 15, you know, there are only 14 other teams that knows what it feels like to be in the top 15. I would imagine at least one of those teams has a loss in the top 25, right? I would think so, too. I would think so, too, but I haven't, like, yeah. Utah is one and one. So only 13 teams knows what it feels like to be in the top 15 while being undefeated. And we're one of them. It's true, we are. Let's choose Joy. Let's all press J for the fact that we did not hire Tony Elliott, (laughs) that we did not hire Greg Ciano, that everything seems to have worked out pretty well for us, like we said they would.
1: Speaking of Tony Elliott, I saw an insane stat Um, that they won their first game, and he was like only the second coach since 1967 to win his opener at Virginia, or something insane
0: like that. That is pretty crazy. Like, You would think somebody would have put an easy game on the schedule.
1: Yeah, it, it it was it was crazy, um, but yeah, thankfully we don't have Tony Elliott. Um, they had they forced four first half turnovers Saturday, and we're down twenty one to three at half. With what people consider a better NFL prospect than Hendon Hooker at quarterback, those people are wrong, of course. But people consider Brendan Armstrong a a good NFL prospect.
0: Well, I will say, in somewhat defense of Brendan Armstrong. It's not his fault that he doesn't have a big, said Tillman. It's true. It's true. Or a Brew McCoy or a Jalen Hyatt. What well, is
1: Cedric Tillman, this podcast's greatest? Just, that's our crowning achievement, right? I mean, from the very beginning, we were talking about Cedric Tillman. It took like four years, three years. But finally, Tennessee and the nation... Realize what they have. From day one, we were calling it.
0: We nailed it. He has proven us right. And is he a monster? My goodness. You were spot on when you said you wanted all three receivers to eat against Pittsburgh. All three receivers did eat against Pittsburgh. Hyatt had 11 catches. He was just getting those little screen passes and taking them eight yards a pop at will. They were giving it to him. For some reason, I guess they didn't want Brew and and Tillman to beat them, but Brew got loose on the sideline for a really nice touchdown, and then of course Tillman with the game winner and just kind of dominant. It, Brew Brew's play was awesome. Hyatt's played really well. Tillman, I thought you know played a average game and still came out with 160 yards, which is pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah, Tillman didn't play that great. Um, he never drops like. I was saying about this earlier. It's not a surprise to me when Hendon comes out and is not quite as accurate as he always is because he's shown flashes of slight inaccuracy. And the good news, the good thing about Hendon is that it's always inaccuracy. It's never bad decisions. But Tillman never comes out and just drops passes and he never drops a pass like he did in the end zone at at the beginning of the third quarter that would have put us up two scores. Effectively ending the game at that point. It was a beautiful throw. It hit him in the hands. He dropped it. But it is what it is. We played a bad game. I mean, I, I wouldn't give us a grade of anything higher than just a C. And we beat a ranked team on the road.
0: Sadrick Tillman simply shows up when you're playing against ranked teams. Against Pittsburgh, 9 catches, 162 yards in a tutty. Against Georgia, 10 catches, 200 yards in a tutty. Against Kentucky, 6 for 79 in a tutty, 7 for 152 in a tutty against Bama, and 7 for 84 in a tutty against uh, Ole Miss. Go ahead and add, I believe it was 10 catches for 200 yards or or, uh, something similar, 160 yards against Purdue in your bowl game, and he shows up in the big ones.
1: Yeah, and Hinton Hooker's last nine games, five of which are against ranked opponents, he's completed 67% of his passes, averaging 9.4 yards per attempt. He has accounted for 26 touchdowns
0: to two interceptions. And at least one of those interceptions was against Georgia. But I think both of them were, though, actually, weren't they? That, that sounds right that they were both against Georgia. Which, of course, had a historically good defense last year. Is it fair to say that Hennon Hooker's touchdown pass to win the game was his best play as a Vol? Because to me, to step up, and when you see the from-behind screenshot of, you know, basically five guys from Pittsburgh collapsing in on him. They were bearing
1: down on him big time
0: for him to step up in the pocket and throw a perfect pass that allows big Sed to box out and catch the game winner. To me, that was with the stakes involved. Of course the, the best play of his Tennessee career.
1: Yeah, I would say. uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say that's, it has to be that with the stakes involved. Um, he might have made like more impressive plays or whatever with the stakes involved and them just bearing down on him. At the time, um, I did want to say I, I haven't seen just people talk about it just in general on the Discord, on Twitter or whatever. The play by Brew McCoy on the third down where he threw that dude down that led to the field goal by McGrath, correct? That led to the fifty-one yard field goal, I believe. Um, that was like a, it was like third and ten. That was an awesome play. They ended up being very big, but it it was just a great play overall. Him fighting for those extra yards, he 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 broke the tackle, then he threw the dude down, and ended up getting like four more yards, turned it into like a twelve or thirteen yard gain. If anything, I think everyone feels like they need to throw to McCoy a lot more. Um, I didn't think that Pittsburgh could stop any of the three wide receivers.
0: Well, that's the thing. That's why I can't say we have to throw the ball to brew more just, just because like everyone played pretty well and Tillman's just a matchup nightmare. It seems pretty evident that Tennessee is just going to ride these three receivers again, kind of like they did last year. There's not going to be a lot of rotations and everyone's going to eat, but Tillman and Hick- Hooker have something special. So I, you know, I think those, those targets are still going that way and, if a defense gives Jalen Hyatt eight yards for those little screen passes we'll take those two you know moving forward I would see Brew getting some of his targets maybe you know from Hyatt but Tillman should get the ball 15 times a game until they prove they can stop it and so far nobody's been able to
1: yeah yeah I mean that they couldn't they they could stop him only Tennessee was Tennessee was the only thing that could stop it I mean the only thing that could stop itself was Tennessee Saturday and that's not a game that Tennessee wins last year Um, that's not a game that Tennessee wins like the last however many years. I mean, that was like just leaving the stadium. That was what I was saying was that like for so long, we've always lost these games. We've always done inexplicable things on the field that cause us to lose games or the other team has done something inexplicable, which, you know, I mean, Saturday, Saturday we have this tight in hurdle our safety and, like, looks like a, you know, looks like an Olympic-level athlete out here. But for once, Tennessee won that game. And, like, after all the stuff that went wrong, after all that stuff that went wrong, when it got to overtime, our offense just was like, okay, whatever. It doesn't matter now. We have better players than them. And we went through it to our wide receiver that they couldn't stop. Like, it's not a game that Tennessee wins in years past, ever. I mean, but they did Saturday, they've gotten better, they've gotten more mature, whatever you want to call it, but like there has been some growth because we just kept losing games like this last year and in years past. So it was just it was just awesome. It was just great more than anything else. It was great to just finally win one of these. I mean, it was the first non conference ranked road win since two thousand three, nineteen Nineteen years. It was awesome just to win. Like, I didn't care. Like, I saw a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth after the game. Like, oh, we played bad, blah, blah. Like, who cares? Who cares? We won. For once, we won. Should we have won by a lot more? Yes. Did our two big, did our two best players let us down at at points in the game? Yes. Who cares? We all know that we can't keep meeting making special teams miscues like this. Okay, we all know this. Last year, we didn't make any special teams miscues. I imagine we'll get them fixed. Trayvon Flowers has never dropped a punt, ever. He never muffs a punt. He muffed one. So what? We won. Who cares? I just, like, it blows my mind. Like, we finally won one of these games. Like, Pitt's not a bad team. They were ranked 17th, and we went out there to their place, and we beat them. That's all that matters. That is literally all that matters is that Tennessee won. They will now be 3-0 with Florida coming to town.
0: Which is all we asked for. That's all we asked for. Gator Gate's going to be popping. Uh, Already 75 people on the guest list. I don't know if I'm prepared for all that, but I'm excited. Florida coming in two weeks. We made it. We accomplished what we wanted. I will say, Seth, there might be something to the idea of removing those people from your life because— I I guess luckily after the game was dealing with my friend who had thrown up all over himself in a poolside cabana in Las Vegas. So I didn't see any of the post-game meltdowns. I didn't realize that people were so miserable after a win. Was it in the Discord, on Twitter, both, or, or where? So
1: n- none of my friends like were that way when they were texting me and talking to me about it. I just saw, like I had a friend text me talking about how like people on uh, Russell Smith's Twitter space after the game volunteer, or volunteer. I think it was Jonathan Toy. It was Jonathan Toy, patron Jonathan, former Pittsburgh resident was texting me after the game. And he said, people are in voluntary action, furious about how we played, And he's like, it couldn't be me or whatever. I, I said that. And I'm just like, I was like, I don't understand. Like, I do not understand these people. Like, what kind of sad, sadistic loser goes out there after we just win an overtime game on the road against a ranked opponent, and and is talking about how poorly we played. Like, who cares? We have been years and years... In years in the wilderness. And finally, Tennessee has a quarterback that is most of the time going to be better than the quarterback on the other team. We have a wide receiver that is going to be better than the wide receiver on the other team. And in overtime, we just said, look, we have better players. We're going to, we're going to throw it to our best wide receiver and he's going to win us the game. And we won the game. Like, yeah, we did a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah, our run game wasn't as great. We ran for 33 yards last year against Pittsburgh. Our running backs did. Okay. Like Narduzzi just knows how to stop the run. It is what it is. Like, all these things, like, all these things happen. And I'm just, like, I'm blown away. Like, who cares? We won. Tennessee did everything possible not to win. But then at the end of the day, it said, okay, we're not going to let this happen again. We're going to go out and win this game. And Hinton Hooker and Cedric Tillman won the damn game.
0: It's really all it's about. Sometimes the first one is the hardest. We don't need style points anymore. It is simply about winning the game. And it wasn't even like winning the game. Again, in in 2016, the people who were bitching and moaning about that, okay, you know, like the ugly win against Appalachian State, the ugly win against Virginia Tech, falling behind against Florida, like whatever. Whatever maybe you could point and say those were some red flags that the team was not as good as we thought they were, whatever. We're not looking for championships here this year. We are here to try to win 10 games, although I will say, after watching Alabama versus Texas, Seth, Alabama might be in play. I don't know. We're just saying, maybe. But we are trying to build, in a second year of a head coach, we are trying to you know accomplish some things, win some of these games, not necessarily look like the best team in the country, but just win these games and start breaking some of these streaks. You said it had been 19 years since you beat a ranked non-conference team on the road. Josh Heupel just went and got that done. That streak is over. Now we turn our we turn our attention, we turn our sights into staying healthy in this third, in this next game against Akron, and then going out and beating Florida for the second time in what 18 years. If we beat Florida ugly. I hope no one complains. I hope you just say, you know what? A win is a win is a win.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's one thing to complain about games that you win ugly. Like, it it would be something totally different to me if, if we had looked awful against Ball State. <laughs> People are going to complain about that, you know, because that, that could possibly raise some questions. Kind of like A&M against whoever, the Sam Houston State or whoever they played their first week. You know, they looked really bad on offense. It's obvious that like, that wasn't a fluke. But, like, Pittsburgh's a little different. They've got some dudes. They're well-coached on defense. That guy knows how to stop the run. You're playing on the road against a ranked opponent. It's
0: that simple to me as you're on the road. Like, you're on the road. Like, it's hard to win on the road. Like, you – I'll even say that you shouldn't complain when you win on the road when you play a C game. Like, it's not like you got lucky. It's not like you had to block a punt to win.
1: Exactly. That's
0: that's another thing. You played poorly and you won.
1: Exactly. That's the other thing. So that's why it blows my mind that, like, because you played awful. Hennen Hooker is so much better than what he showed on Saturday. Cedric Tillman, better than what he showed on Saturday. Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, better than what they showed. Uh, Darnell Wright, better than what he showed on Saturday. And you won. Hen and Hooker ain't going to look like that
0: all the time. Trayvon Flowers, not going to muff punts. You muffed a punt, you got a punt blocked. You had your best receiver, maybe the best receiver in the SEC. You had him drop an open pass that hit him in the face mask. Like, you survived all of those things and still got a top 20 win on the road against a team that beat you last year, against a team that had a a championship level coach, which, you know, we could argue about Pat Narduzzi. I don't think Pittsburgh was very good last year. I didn't think they were, you know, ACC champion level good. I think it was just a really down year. But either way, they've got credentials, they got hardware, and you went into their house and you beat them. That's something you should celebrate every single time. They aren't a barren team. They are not laid to waste. They are not rebuilding. They are a team that's still trying to be competitive, still supposed to be good. They had a whole veteran offensive and defensive side of the ball. Your defensive line absolutely wrecked their shit. Your defensive line, you know, all the people, we're talking about people complaining, Seth. Go back and think about the people who were complaining that you didn't get a sack against Ball State. And then turn around and watch those same defensive players create, what, 16 quarterback pressures? I thought it was over 20. I I thought it was 16, but maybe it was over 20. Maybe it was 16 hits. I don't know. But you sacked, I think, four times. You knocked their quarterback out. And in the first half, even when you weren't sacking him, you were making his life hell. And he was just barely beating you with the throw. Yeah, you beat the hell out of him and you knocked him out. So, like, for Pittsburgh fans crying about their quarterback getting knocked out, I would simply say block better. Yeah. Try to block one Tennessee defensive lineman because they were wrecking your shop. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to
1: uh, suggestions, but I can never remember Tyler Barron having this good a game in a Tennessee uniform. He was dominant on Saturday.
0: He was supposed to be dominant, and there he was.
1: And, you know, they had him lining up at defensive tackle when he forced the fumble and knocked Slovis out. He lined up at defensive tackle. Um, and it was like, it was dudes that, you know, weren't really like, Roman Harrison played pretty well. That was not probably on anybody's bingo card as guys that were going to play pretty well. But he played a ton, too. When they moved Barron to defense, to defensive tackle, they put Roman Harrison at defensive end. He doesn't put a hand down. He just lines up in a sta- in a sprinter stance and gets after the quarterback. Uh, Bryson Eason made a play. Uh, o- Omari Thomas is just flat-out good. Omari Thomas is just good. Byron Young played like a first-team All-SEC defensive end. Um, Karak Garland graded out really high like for I think for the first time I feel pretty confident saying this for the first time since he's been back at Tennessee you got a taste and what I think is a small taste because they don't have anybody really dominant yet but you got a small taste of the success that you reap when you have Rodney Garner as your defensive line coach Because we played a ton of dudes and got a lot of production out of a lot of dudes, out of a lot of guys that other coaching staffs would never have gotten anything out of. You know, Karak Garland is graded out as our third highest player on defense. Karak Garland graded out higher than Byron Young. You know, like you finally saw... I think Rod, what Rodney Garner brings to your coaching staff cuz he is an amazing recruiter and people always talk about how good a recruiter he is but he's an amazing coach as well. And our defensive line dominated the game. Um so yeah, oh you know the there's just a lot of things like our special teams was amazing last year was it not?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean like
1: I I, I like looking back on last season, you know some of it was helped by having V-less return kicks, but everything else was was great. Everything else about our special teams unit was amazing. Elliker um did a great job. Like, Tissy's special team is gonna get fixed, okay? We have a full season of data now to know that we're gonna have good special teams with him running the show. Like, Dragon Flowers is not gonna muff punts. We're not gonna have total busts on our punt teams, like they're going to, you know, I mean, I, I just, it just, we won. That's literally all that matters, right? That is, we said this,
0: be 3-0 and o going into Florida. We are 3-0 and o going into Florida. We are ranked 15th in the country. We are probably going to be at least touchdown favorites over Florida, if not more. Everything is set up for the season that we wanted. I believe his name's Eckler, Seth, but he will, get it, he will get it fixed. And... I have nothing to complain about. I'm glad Big Sed had a monster game and that he's back on pace to you know, to have his 13 or 1,400 yards and you know, shoot to the top of Tennessee's you know, all-time records. I'm happy that Hendon uh, Hooker is now getting some respect. And I'm really encouraged by what Rodney's done with the defense again. Like the defensive line and him and Banks, not Jeremy, but Tim, have done a good job of making me feel at least that they're going to be competent this year. And if they can be middle of the road or at least high, you know, like top fifty, top sixty, like we talked about, that's a team that's good enough to win nine or ten games. And quite frankly, with what what I saw from Ewers and what he did to Alabama secondary in that quarter, I think we're going to be able to move the ball against them as well. So,
1: yeah, I would like to say, you know, two things. One, I, Brian Brian Jean Marie Brian Jean Marie, however you want to say it, I don't know how it's said. I would imagine Jean Marie. He has to get some major
0: kudos for aaron beasley oh yeah good call aaron beasley deserves a shout out so here's your chance seth give him some kudos go ahead he was
1: he's our best linebacker on the team right now um he was awesome on saturday he has had a great year that is back-to-back really really good games for aaron beasley so i think you have to give a big shout out to, to brian jean marie because um He's getting really good linebacker play, and he's got about he's got four guys. If you want to count Elijah Herring, he's got four guys that he's played with. He's got four guys right now. They're getting Juwan Mitchell back, supposedly. Uh, second of all, I will give a shout out to Tim Banks because I do love that Tim Banks just said to hell with it, I'm going to blitz the house over and over and over and over again. And he just said, you know what? Forget it. I'm just bringing the house and we started blitzing like crazy. We had two huge sacks from our defensive backs. Wesley Walker, his first big play in a Tennessee uniform. That was a great, that was a great sack on that fourth down. And then Trayvon Flowers, a nice little end cap to his game. His game started off great with an awesome interception. His game ended great with an awesome sack. Um, So credit Tim Banks for just (laughs) – he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to blitz. And, boy, did we – it was awesome. It was awesome. If the offense
0: is going to be so aggressive and you have so much confidence that they can score, I hope the defense just becomes that super aggressive. Because if you give up a touchdown, so what? Go get one back. Like, it's – I would rather – this might be dumb by the end of the year and maybe we lose a shootout 70-67 to or something like that. But I would rather try to have the defense make big plays – Rather than last year, seeing them just get gutted six, seven, eight yards a pop, go out, try to actually make some positive plays to win, and they did that on Saturday.
1: It's gotta be so much easier as a unit to mentally recover from a one play, seventy yard drive like on that run on that run play or that long tight end. And I know the tight end play wasn't the first play of the drive, but that was a short drive up until that point, than it is to just get gashed on the length of the field. It's just got to be easier to mentally recover. It, it, is there, there's nothing worse than just watching the defense get 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 just destroyed over a methodical 12 to 15 play drive. Just blitz, man. We blitz like crazy. Wesley Walker looked good. Tamarian McDonald looked good. Tamarian McDonald got called for an atrocious, atrocious pass interference call on the sideline. That was terrible. It was horrible. But yeah, I mean, I think our coaches are putting in some work. Like, like I, like I you know, Pat Arduzzi, he stops the run. He stopped the run last year against us, and Tennessee was the second-best rushing team in the SEC. We're going to be able to run the football. Josh loves to run the football. We're going to be able to run the football. Saturday was just one of those games where you had to put the game in Henning Hooker's hand and say, throw it to Cedric Tillman and beat them, and we did. That's all there is to it.
0: Also credit to Josh Heupel for realizing that sometimes – You know, when a man is hungry, especially with something he really likes, a food he really likes, if you have a pet or something, get into that food, especially if it's not even your pet, that sometimes your temper might get the best of you. You know, credit for not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Credit to him for rehabilitating uh, Brother Beasley. And, you know, I don't know, maybe helping him get closer with the Lord. I don't know, but he's turned into an outstanding young man and a great SEC linebacker, or a good SEC linebacker. He's got some work to be a great SEC linebacker, but he's still a really good SEC linebacker and the best on the team. And like I said, sometimes when you're hungry and you have your heart set on food, like some delicious wings, you lose your temper if somebody messes with them. I get that. People I understand. deserve
1: a second chance.
0: The Gramco is a presenting sponsor of Reed's Ranch. What is the Gramco? Well, it is your go-to destination for all your Delta 8 needs. Gramco. Currently offers numerous Delta 8 products and merchandise, including Wake and Bake Delta 8 Coffee, Delta 8 disposable vapes, Delta 8 Gummies, the fruit punch is my favorite, and Delta 8 Quick Mix, Pre-Rolls, and my favorite, hard candies, some big orange hard candies. Go to the gramcode.com browser selection. Use the promo code BALLS25 for 25% off your order, and then you get free standard shipping for orders over $50. And that shipping is quick and discreet. Must be 21 or older. Gramco offers you an enjoyable, legal high, delivered discreetly and directly to you. Thegramco.com. Thegramco.com. The interest rates are up and the stock market is down. But you can still buy you a new house, you can still sell your own home, and you should do so with my friend Seth Norris with The Real Estate Firm. He's on a mission to be the best, slightly above average realtor in East Tennessee, and like most realtors, whether they're willing to admit it or not, he got in this business to get rich, so he spent money that was going to go to his wife's car's tires to get on this podcast, to advertise with us, because I told him, hey... You want to get in with the Ranch Gang. That's what you want to do. You can give him a call at 865-719-1285. That's 865-719-1285. He will tell you the truth. He will take care of you. Because if you're a friend of mine, you're a friend of his. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. He used to help me on the radio show. Shout out to Four Quarters Radio. You might remember him. One of my, one of my interns. Again, give him a call. 865 865- That's Seth Norris with The Real Estate Firm. Let's get to some patron questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Got a couple new patrons to shout out. New $2 patron, Cade Calderon. Shout out to Brother Cade. We love you and appreciate you. New, uh, I don't exactly know what the CA means, but new CA $13.50 patron, Ben Wong. Shout out to Brother Ben Wong. We love you and appreciate you. And Gabe Wall upped his pledge from $2 to
1: $10. Shout out to Brother Gabe. We love you and appreciate you. So did Reed's Ranch just get their first foreign currency? Is that what that means? I don't know. A non-dollar currency uh, contribution to my family. It appears that way. Canadian. This guy says Canadian. Canadian dollar. Okay. Brother CBAK, Colts Beat Reporter, says Canadian dollar. Shout out to Brother Ben Wong.
0: We are international. I've always said that. I used to have to ship shirts to Japan, to a patron out there. So, yeah, we're we're international. And shout out to Gabe Wall, who wants to get his, his status up before GatorGate so he can maybe work his way into VIP territory. I'm pumped for that. If you want uh, to be involved with that, patreon.com slash Uh the, the Discord for uh, game days is pretty fun as well. Let's hit some questions, Seth. What do you got? Brother Wadley? ask me what i'll be wearing to the
1: florida game as we are checkering Nealon. if yeah, we're what,
0: in orange what section are you in are you in orange or white i
1: haven't looked yet i didn't know they had put sections out already i don't know if they have or not um i don't have a white ut polo um i have a gray one that has like white stripes i guess if we're white i guess i'll wear that if we're orange i'll wear orange i'll try not to be
0: that guy wow Look at the growth from Seth Hughes. I, I
1: have grown up. I remember one time I wore a navy blue pullover. I'm gonna try. I won't be that guy this year again. I won't wow. be that guy. Wow! Look at the growth. I don't like checkering it. I don't like checkering it. I, I think it's actually I don't mind it. It's the fans' insistence. It's the the fans' insistence upon it is so weird to me. It's like as soon as we play, as soon as as soon as we beat Pittsburgh and we realize we're gonna be three and zero going to Florida, it's like checker, 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 checker. I'm like, man, like, I did not care if we play that in front of an empty stadium as long as we win. What do y'all care?
0: Well, we ain't going to be in front of an empty stadium. They just announced it was officially sold out. So we are going to have that bad boy packed to capacity. I will say, Seth, that uh, I always kind of roll my eyes at the insistence to checker like you're talking about. But then when I was in there under the lights for the old Miss game, I was like, wow, this looks really badass. It looks cool. It looks cool. I, so I mean, do always I- back off whenever I actually see it.
1: So I will grant that. I will see that. It does look very cool. It just... The insistence upon it just seems a little weird to me, but... To each their own. Brother Slim, a.k.a. Diesel, a.k.a. What's the Score? S or both, what is your favorite Guilty Pleasure TV
0: show? Okay, uh... I believe we had this about music one time about Guilty Pleasure, and I said I don't really feel guilty about anything I enjoy. Ah. Uh, when it comes to TV shows, I'll throw some things on in the background when I'm doing stuff sometimes. But I, I guess is it just that I still watch wrestling? I throw. I feel like I throw wrestling on at, at that time and kind of pay attention to it. That's the only one I'm actually kind of. I wouldn't even say embarrassed because you know it is what it is. But otherwise, I only kind of watch. I don't want to say peak TV, but. I was going to say that the show I like the the most that maybe has the least amount of, like, critical acclaim would be Only Murders in the Building. Because I like uh, Selena Gomez and Steve Martin. But then I saw that it was nominated for an Emmy for, like, Best Comedy. So that I, I felt like that one was even vindicated. Do you have a show? Maybe, like, Survivor. Survivor and, like, Big Brother, I guess, is kind of embarrassing to still like to some people. But I, I love Survivor. My two shows that I was going to
1: say are Survivor or Naked and Afraid with my parents. I just love watching Survivor with my mom. Um, it's a great show. It's a I I love it still. I think it's an awesome show still. I also love watching Naked and Afraid.
0: I've never watched that. I was pretty embarrassed. During COVID, maybe my answer would have been different because like I blew through all of New Girl. wasn't really embarrassed by it. Blew through Shit's Creek. I didn't blow through. I actually had to start and stop it a couple times. Didn't really like Shit's Creek. I will say the most I've ever been embarrassed by watching a TV show was probably when I was again home for COVID. I watched two seasons of that uh, really, really shitty All American show that comes on CW with Tay Diggs about football.
1: Okay, I've never
0: heard of that. And then like a low, a real low point of my life is when like one of the episodes actually moved me to tears. And I was I found myself it was like 3 a.m. and I was just crying in my living room by myself on my couch. But it was like an episode where somebody's dad his like dad dies, spoilers. So like my dad just died, so like it hit me pretty hard. So I wasn't that embarrassed. I was like, man, I gotta get a grip. And then, you know, I made it through two seasons and I was like, Okay, I'm done. So I I didn't even like keep watching it. Same way with like that show You on Netflix, that one was pretty stupid, but I haven't watched season three of it. Those are the only ones I have felt embarrassed about liking, I guess. Shout out to Survivor, though.
1: Brother Techball asks, over under SEC championship game appearances through 2031. That's 10 seasons, including this current season. Alabama, 5.5. Georgia, 5.5. LSU, 3.5. Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, A&M, Auburn, 2.5. Arkansas, 1.5.
0: All right, let's start with who we're for sure locking unders in on. I am locking an under in on Texas. Okay. I am locking an under, so 10 seasons. I'm locking an under in on Florida at two and a half. Okay. I am locking an under on um, Texas A&M and Auburn. Okay. I got to lock one in on Arkansas as well. Yeah, for sure feel like i gotta lock one an under in on us as well do you agree or, yeah you, yeah agreed, we're agreed, not getting three agreed. lsu is left at three and a half i would lean under on that as well but
1: uh, you could make an argument for
0: 40 Four and 10 40 and 10 too much yeah yeah it's too that's much, too much yeah it's too much under 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 and i would honestly go under alabama and under georgia as well i'd go under on all these these numbers are too high tech ball the better question is like Does Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Auburn, and Arkansas, and even Texas get one? Yeah. Do you think any of those schools I just mentioned, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, A&M, Auburn, and Arkansas get one?
1: I don't really think you can say that because you really just have no idea what Oklahoma's going to look like going forward with uh, Venables as
0: head coach. Well, i got to apologize to Tech because he did say championship game appearances. I was thinking conference championships. Oh, Which made okay. that seem way, way tougher. Um. So I do, apologies to that. Producer, cut that out of the podcast. Um. Georgia's going to go... Okay, so now I changed my answer. Alabama and Georgia, I think, will both make six of the next ten.
1: Yeah. As I, said, I don't know that it changes much besides those two. I mean, do you really think is going to go to four out of the next ten no. SEC championship games? I don't really either. I think that Florida at two and a half is a more...
0: Yeah, that's way... It's a safer bet than LSU. But like you're saying, we don't even know what the pods are. Yeah. We don't know what the criteria is going to be to make the conference championship. Is it just going to be the two highest ranked teams? Is there going to be some type of quasi, like, four-team playoff where you have four regions? Because, I mean, for 16 teams, I think it would be kind of cool if they just did four pods, and then you had a four-team playoff for the the SEC championship. I think that'd be pretty cool. If Tennessee was just going to be stuck in the East-West, like, I would feel pretty solid that we make at least two SEC championships over the next 10 years, but I wouldn't bet on it, so I can't say three. Okay, but I do feel better about those numbers. Apologies to TechVal1, who I love. Brother Brizzy S update on Burrell
1: Island? Um, lonely. It's lonely on that island, Brizzy. I'm holding it at status quo. I think that he had great coverage on their last touchdown. It was just, unfortunately, nauseatingly, insufferably an amazing throw by a backup quarterback on one leg. Um, I'm holding it at status quo. Kamal Haddon is our best cornerback. Kamal Haddon was also in horrid position on the very last play of the game, by the way. I mean, I don't know what he was doing. If that guy could put more... If he could have put some more juice on the throw, that's a completion, and who knows what happens. Kamal Haddon was just like running around like he'd lost his brain. Um I'm holding Burrell. I'm holding Warren Burrell status quo. I'm hoping that D Williams gets back and gets healthy soon. Christian Charles only played two snaps against Pittsburgh. Um, one of which strangely was the sack by Trayvon Flowers on the third down. But I'm holding Burrell Island at status quo.
0: A.K. It's very lonely, brother Brizzy.
1: Brother O.G. Matt, who I had a warm embrace with inside historic Acrisure Stadium on Saturday. A- How was the stadium? I thought it was. I thought it was very nice. Thought it was a very nice stadium. I did. Um, the concourse was extremely nice. I thought. Very wide, very wide aisles in the concourse. You know. How was the Wi-Fi?
0: Or the LTE? How was the? How was the gigs? How was the data it, in
1: there? It, the,
0: the, it was. I could basically
1: only text. Okay. I, I I could only text.
0: That's pretty frustrating when there's only like sixty thousand people there.
1: Yeah, I could only text.
0: Um, I give Tennessee a pass because like a hundred thousand people. Okay, that would overwhelm you, but sixty thousand? Come on, get your shit together. It's an NFL stadium. Brother, OG Matt
1: asks, is Anthony Richardson on fraud watch?
0: It's not Anthony Richardson's fault. It's all the nerds that picked him. Yeah. Yeah. And you saw Kentucky's defensive players say, Cam, my ass. Because, you know, after one game, he was being linked to Cam Newton and Vince Young. And you're just like, okay, let's slow down a little bit. Those are the two of the, like, the four best quarterbacks of the last 20 years in in, in college football. Or at least two of, like, the top six, if you want to throw in, you know, uh, hell, I don't know, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, Tebow. Who would you have in your top four, top five quarterbacks of the last twenty years? Yeah, top five, top five. Uh, top five. This is no order, but I, I mean the guys I said Vince Young. Just for that one seat, I mean Vince Young was a monster that season. Um, uh, Cam his season at Auburn. I think you have to put Lamar in there. After what he did, freshman mm-hmm. freshman year, Jameis was a monster too. And Mariota. I mean, there's been some good ones. Is it fair to say Tebow wouldn't be in it? I would have Tebow in it. But, like, I go back to just that Florida team being so damn talented. I would like to... If if I put Deshaun Watson on that Florida team, is he not do just as good, if not better? Yeah. Probably better, right? I don't know. Matiba was a monster. (laughs) Well, I know you couldn't tackle him, but just I think they could have just thrown the ball further down the field. Yeah. Joe Burrow. I haven't mentioned Joe Burrow. Yeah.
1: I mean, like... Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, and Joe Burrow, in terms of SEC quarterbacks, were just, like, like Cam and Johnny, I mean, Cam Newton was just unbelievable. See, to me, Johnny's the one I can't
0: put on there. So much of Johnny's bullshit was just scrambling around throwing jump balls to Mike Evans and him just going up and catching them all. Now, I mean, Joe Burrow, on the same hand, had, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, so he wasn't necessarily wide receiver poor. Yeah.
1: Like, I, like, Deshaun Watson was great, but I wouldn't have him okay. in there. I okay. mean, um, that's not a slight to him. I mean, his team was loaded. Like, he didn't have to do
0: what Johnny Manziel... To me, Manziel just didn't do shit. When I say didn't do shit, I just mean, like, they didn't accomplish anything. Their crowning achievement was beating... Alabama and then beating Duke in a bowl game that they were. Well, what
1: did Lamar Jackson do that year? He won the Heisman.
0: They go like nine and three. Yeah, no, I know. Um, You know, I was just talking about Deshaun Watson, but yeah, I mean, it's fair to say the same thing about Lamar, which granted, I mean, Louisville football, you know, didn't necessarily have a lot of talent, but the ACC on the same hand wasn't very good either.
1: Yeah. Didn't Lamar lose to Kentucky that year?
0: They might have after they they got, they, they were probably pretty close if they had just not blown that Clemson game. They maybe could have played for a, a national championship because I yeah. don't think they would have lost to Kentucky if they were playing for a national championship. Yeah. I just for Manziel, I, I I don't know. I just I get distracted by the first two games of his SEC career where he lost to LSU in Florida and games that they, they should have won probably, but he just couldn't couldn't make the place. All he could do was run around. At that point, he couldn't throw. I would. I mean, Cam
1: is like an auto inclusion into my top two. Cam and Burrow, I think, have to be in everybody's top
0: five.
1: I don't know what my others would be, but like Cam is an automatic. Some of the things he did, I mean, like he willed that team.
0: Vince Young, just for the Rose Bowl performance alone, gets in. And he went one in the one one in the horseshoe as well, being an Ohio State team kind of by himself. It's a good question though, but Anthony Richardson got compared to those guys after one game, which he threw 140 yards in. Like, his stats against Utah weren't even that good. He had one long run for, like, 60-something yards. Otherwise, he had, like, 14 carries for, like, 60 yards and three touchdowns, which is which is good. But, like, he had one big busted play and then 140 passing yards. And on Sunday, Saturday against Kentucky, he looked like that guy who struggled to get over 200 total yards. Like, that's who he looked like.
1: Yeah, like, it was a really good first game for a guy as, like, the undisputed starter. But it wasn't anything that should have led to him being anointed. I mean and everyone's prone to over exaggeration and stuff. I mean, I, the thing that scared me the most about him
0: was just his running against Utah. And he can still do that against Tennessee. We, we don't, you know, I, I don't want to act like he's a bum now, but he's not the guy you were worried about. He is to me he is not close to Cam Newton and Vince Young and Joe Burrow. He is much much closer to Kenny Trill. You remember Kenny Trill, Seth? Yeah who had five touchdowns or whatever, against South Carolina and was about to be the next Heisman winner after one game and then completely, you know, shit the bed. To me, Richardson's much, much closer to him than he is the all-time greats. Kenny Trill. That's a good throwback name right there. Yeah, I was trying to set that up, and then I kind of stumbled over it for a second because I couldn't. I wanted to, like, save that name for the reveal because I could have said he's much closer to Kenny Trill than he is the all-time greats, so it took me a second. Next question, please. Brother Blue Moon Ball,
1: what's the one thing that will prevent us from being undefeated going into Alabama? The refs. Okay.
0: The refs against LSU. I told you that's my favorite thing to get to blame. The refs. The refs might screw us in Death Valley. That's all I'm worried about.
1: I will go... Since I, I will say inability to stop a running quarterback because we are about to play two guys that can be pretty dangerous on the ground, and Anthony Richardson and
0: Jaden Daniels. Yeah, that's probably the answer there.
1: That is not me saying that I believe that they will. That's just a that's just an idea. If I had to say one thing,
0: it's going to be up to Jeremy Banks to spy those to spot those quarterbacks and take them down. Brother Newzak asks, will we
1: get to see a Milton bomb hit Danny's party deck and new school board this Saturday? I certainly hope so. I certainly hope we take the top off with Brother Joseph Milton the third, aka Baby Cam, aka the pharmacist, and let him sling that rock. Preferably by like the start of the
0: second quarter, actually. I would say halfway through the third. That's probably what's gonna happen. So if so if my boys want to get their stats up, you better do them in the first half, boys. That's what I would tell him. If I'm hype, I'm like, hey, Hendo, hey, Tillman, if you want to get your stats up, do it in the first half because you're not doing it in the second. Brother Curtis asked for my thoughts on the Pittsburgh trip, a great trip. Um, he calls you a real fan as well, a true fan, I guess, as that a shot at me.
1: I got to see you, Curtis, for all the people that claim I don't like to talk to patrons and I don't like to be around them. I saw Curtis out of the corner of my eye, and I went to him. I flagged him down. I yelled, hey, Curtis. And he turned around. He was eating his dinner, and we gave him—I gave him a big hug. I ran into him later
0: with uh, brother Hank. I bet Kerr had such a big smile when he turned around. He did.
1: He was grinning from ear to ear. I ran into uh, brother T-Fool. I ran into so many
0: patrons. Um, well, you're about to have 75 more of them for a Gatorgate.
1: I I got to hang out with brother Grant Ramey. Give him a shout out. We had, we had a great time. It was just—I I had a great trip. Tennessee won. That's all that matters. Tennessee won. That's what matters. It was a great trip. Brother Harambe42069 asks, any good gambling stories from the weekend? Nope,
0: zero. Zero? Okay. Zero good gambling stories. All you need to know, Seth, all you need to know is that to cost me one nice parlay, I watched Jacoby Brissett get a personal foul called for him, get close to midfield, and then watch the Browns kicker, kick maybe the best field goal I've ever seen. He drilled a 6-yard field goal and made it look easy. That cost me one last leg of my parlay. And then 3 hours later I had to watch my favorite team cost me more money by missing a 47-yard field goal that they willingly decided to kick and that they didn't need any more yards. And Fat Randy went out there and missed it. And I had to see Meathead Mario put his hands down or his head down and his hands on his knees. And that's really all that sums up my gambling story. The only good one I had is that my boy Chamayev UFC legend, I bet on him under one and a half rounds to finish the fight, and he finished it like in a minute and a half because he's a monster. That's the only good story I got Harambe for 2069. How about
1: Nathaniel Hackett uh, Monday night with the absolute galaxy brain move of letting 30 seconds run off the clock to try a 65-yard field goal?
0: Well, to which I would ask that, Seth. Would you rather him have tried the 65-yard field goal or well, let me rephrase this because the answer is never a 65-yard field goal. Nathaniel Hackett is now the focus of them blowing that game instead of your boy, Russell Wilson, who didn't look very good. He didn't look very good. He didn't look like a guy worth $240 million. Nathaniel Hackett didn't even trust him to pick up a first down on fourth and five. He said, I would rather a 65 yard field goal than let Russell Wilson go out there and try to make a play who I told you by the way was on the very, very close to being on the watch list. He looked very, very close to being on the watch list on Monday night. You
1: also said that first games don't matter.
0: They don't. They don't. I'm not overreacting to week one. Listen to shooting the shield right here on this podcast feed. I said, I'm not overreacting to week one. I'm not, but for Russell, I'm also acting, reacting to what he did at the end of last year, just for the record. Oh, I, I said it was too much money, but
1: my, but I also said that they've had five different leading passers the last five seasons. So it's, it's easy for me to see why they would give him that monster extension. Uh, the biggest issue for the Broncos for me was the amount of like just stupid mistakes they made. They had
0: like f- almost 15 penalties, right? Bunch of penalties and two fumbles on the goal the line. Two I mean, like, the two fumbles at the goal line, man. The Broncos like, will be fine. The Seahawks are still gonna suck, but for your first game as a head coach, you simply cannot try a sixty four yard field goal with a minute left. Did you see the Manning cast? And did you see the clip of Peyton Manning and Shannon Sharp? I saw Peyton just dumbfounded. Someone went back and counted and said Peyton Manning with his hands tried to call a timeout 62 times during that 40-second stretch. He just kept hitting his hands saying, timeout, timeout, timeout. I couldn't believe, and, like, Joe and Buck weren't, like,
1: I don't think they really, like, it seemed like they couldn't really, they didn't really understand, that like, he just wasn't going to call a timeout. I was just, like, just watching the time tick off, because it was, like, 30 seconds. That was surreal to me. That, like, when it, like, the whole thing of just, like, you watch some time tick off, and you're just like, "What is he doing? What is he doing?" And then more time ticks off, and you're just like, "Surely not! Surely he's not doing what I think he's going to do." And then as the realization like finally washes over you, and just like, "Oh my goodness, he is going to try a 65-yard field goal instead of getting 10 more yards."
0: And it's it was a similar feeling watching you know Mike Vrabel call a timeout with his last timeout with 18 seconds left, and just being like, "What the hell are you doing?" and then running a quarterback sweep and losing three more yards, three yards that might have cost the field goal to be a miss. It was a shitty week for field goal kickers, except for the Browns kicker who broke my heart. There's your gambling story, harambe 2069. Now you, sir, can go to hell. All right, Seth, any last words? That's it. Love you. I look forward to seeing you in what? Ten days? Ten short days. I'm planning on starting the tailgate at 6.30 in the morning, so I hope you can make it. <laughs> I'll be there. I won't be there quite that early, but I will be there all day. What time do you think we should take it down? Two
1: thirty, two forty-five. Yeah, 2.45 sounds about right.
0: Because I don't want to leave it up and then leave.
1: Yeah, that sounds about
0: right. But I'm going to the game. By about 2.45, I'll be like a nervous
1: wreck and won't be willing to talk to anybody.
0: God, I'm already mad at you thinking about all the negative energy you're about to bring. <laughs> We're going to whip Florida's ass. Simple ass.
1: I think we're going to win, too.
0: I said it. I think we're going to win. We will be winning, so keep that same energy. Do not morph back into a little pumpkin boy bitch. We're going to win.
1: I'm doing what I told myself I'll never do. I
0: think we'll beat Florida. Let's go. That's what I needed to hear. Love you. I'll talk to you soon. Love you, too, buddy. Bye-bye.
3: Thank hey. hey. And why exactly they've been fussing me